This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Global Leadership Platform, Multiplying Leaders, Moving Society. I'm Adrian Grunewald. It's fabulous to be with you. And uh, we've got a f- wonderful guest and panel with me today. Go to leadershipplatform.com for all things leadership. And with me today, before I introduce our top leader, is Rogers Sitole. Rogers, good to have you back. Good to be back, Adrian. Good to be here. And of course, the old man, Louis Grunewald. Once again, I look forward to the session today. Yeah, I'm also very excited. Um, we're going to have a bold conversation on leadership and s- uh, issues in society. So we're very excited about that. Our guest for our guest for our leadership masterclass, Grant Patterson, CEO of Edcon at the moment, and former CEO of MassMart, where he was quite legendary. Uh, the deals made there, but he's moved on. That's quite a few years back. I'm sure it still it still follows him wherever he goes because it is such a big, big, big deal bringing Walmart to our shores. And uh, we've got him in the in the studio with us. Or in fact, we're at, at in one of his boardrooms at Edcon. On his home turf, Grant. Welcome. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So, what makes today so special? One of the things that make it so special, we were talking about it before we started, is yesterday Cliff Central turned four years, and if you go back four years, then I think our first interview, leadership interview, was Grant Patterson. And I think you were just leaving MassMart or you just left them? I can't even remember. Yeah, so I was no longer the CEO of MassMart, but Correct. was still employed by them on gardening leave. Okay. And so you were my first non-MassMart interview, actually. Yes. Uh, and my no- non-MassMart um, uh, thing I did. So it was quite a, it was quite a transition, that. And, and, it, and it's uh, well planned, eh? We, we planned this meticulously, <laughs> yeah, we, did we? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really exciting. And, and I just tweeted this morning the, 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 the adventure it's been walking a road with uh, Gareth Cliff and, and Rena Brumberg. Uh, they're pioneers in, in what they've done. And we've been there since the inception. And, and even the show has progressed in, in many respects. So, so Grant, it's, it's very apt to have you here. And, uh, and, and of course, to talk to you about leadership in general, but also the, the challenge of leading EDCON yeah. and then the challenge within the South African environment, which is very complex and, and finicky, and then the global environment. So, so we look forward to getting there. But just very quickly, so you left a mass mart about f- four years ago. Yeah. You've, you've been doing that. What have you been doing since then? Because you started EDCON formally now recently. Yeah. I, my first official day on the job here was 1st of February 2018. Uh, in between... Um, MassMart and now I started up my own private equity company, just investing my own money, um, called GPAM uh, PTY Limited, and I have done all sorts of stuff. I've been, tried to become an investor, um, and that's an interesting experience. I, I, I'm a better manager, I think, than I am. I am an investor, so I've ended up um, doing some stuff with Ethos, doing some startups, backing some first-time entrepreneurs, um, and taking a bit of a break at the same time. Uh, okay, just t- two minutes on that. What kind of uh, ventures did you invest in, or wasn't it very geared in a certain direction, or just anything that came along? What was your philosophy or your approach? Um, no, I, 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 I got quite a lot of advice, counsel from people who've done this before, you know, leave a big job and then sort of go out on their own. So I got involved only where I felt I had some skills and could add some value. So I got involved in renewable energy. Um, uh, you know, I'm an electrical engineer. That's my actual qualification, not retail. Um, so I got involved with that. I did that for a couple of years. I invested um, uh, in some businesses, AutoZone, um, yeah. alongside Ethos, and I, and I helped them with that business. 
Uh, I invested in Twinsaver, the tissue company, mm. um, and I'm still on that board and helping them with that business. I did an IT startup. Um, uh, one of the things I love doing is uh, is doing strategy and valuing strategy, and so that's what that business does. Um, uh, in fact, that was my meeting before I came here was with them. They're helping me out here. Um, and then I set up my, you know, for the first time I managed to focus on my own investments. So I did my accounts and my tax and and my, <laughs> my financial planning um, and, and started a process uh, of investing in property offshore. I, I must tell you, I don't know why it's stuck with me for a while now that someone who potentially could have, should have run ESCOM is you. Has that come to you before where people said that? Or am I giving you a total shot from the left? <laughs> no, no, no. It's very, very insightful. Uh, one day I was actually at, at home um, reading the Sunday Times and I saw the advert for the CEO of ESCOM, I think after Brian Malefi left or retired. We're not sure which. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what worried me there, what, what went through my mind was I couldn't stand it if I found out that one of the internal candidates, well known to all of us, had got the job, and their excuse was, "Well, no one else applied." So I actually applied for the job, and I went through the process. I, I'm told I got down to the final three. Uh, in fact, was on the way to the interview for that final three uh, on the Friday when um, Brian Malefi was reappointed, and they, I was in the car on the way to the interview, and they phoned and cancelled. Oh my goodness! Wow. Oh, what a mess! <laughs> oh goodness that's a whole conversation on its own yeah. so, so was it difficult for you to not be in the mainstream of business and leadership because MassMart was mainstream and more so when the Walmart thing came onto the scene uh, then for as you say about four years doing your own thing and which is quite exciting entrepren- more entrepreneurial but then coming to the Edcom, Edcom job which is back to mainstream leadership you know on the scene what was it like those four years did you miss this sort of job because you're good at it. Uh, not at all. Um, I, I, I'm an introvert. I mean, many people don't understand that because, you know, obviously you learn to do the public stuff. Um, and so I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being approached in restaurants as I often am. I don't like people greeting me I've never met before, you know, because people do recognize you and then go, hey, Grant. And, you know, I have no idea who they are. Mm. Um, so I don't like all that stuff. So I really enjoyed being out of the limelight, I must tell you. Um, what I noticed, though, the thing I did miss was that um, is how much you learn from others. You know, you know being as a, a CEO, I get visits and pictures from people all the time. I do interviews all the time. And you're being taught the whole time. And like the other day, the CEO of Microsoft came to see me and he wanted to tell me about digital migration. You know, you know as a lay person, you don't get that stuff. And so yeah. I found myself becoming a bit out of touch and out of date quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the network you have when you're, in brackets, relevant – Correct, in a yeah. certain position, the kind of people who want to see you. And the people you can phone for, for advice. You know, the, yeah. There's lots of people at the moment, if I phone, will pick up the phone. Um, when you haven't got the job, they don't answer the phone. Very interesting. Now, I think some leaders might miss that, if you know what I mean. And then they get back into the swing of things, partly for that and partly for other things. Um, but the ETCOM job, what attracted you to that? What, what, why, why but, accept that? It's a bit like ESCOM. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was a bit of a public duty thing. Um, some of the banks and some other players, role players around ETCOM approached me um, about a year ago, now just over a year ago, and said, would I be interested in going as a non-executive on the board? Um, and, you know, I'd been watching from afar and, in fact, had done some external consulting on it. So, um, and I think investors 
who probably were long the uh, Edcon bonds, used to phone me as part of a, uh, a global consulting business called GLG. Um, and so I had kept an eye on Edcon for a while. Um, so I said, yeah, I thought, I thought I could help it. I got onto the board as a non-executive. Uh, it's a non-listed company, but it's debts listed in Ireland. So it's a bit of a weird listed, non-listed company. And then almost in my second meeting, as soon as my second meeting, um, I learned that Bernie Brooks was leaving. Um, I was surprised by that, by the way. I, don't, you know, I didn't know that when I joined. Mm. And I had been asked to be head of the remunerations committee. And so I was now leading the process of replacing him. And quite quickly into the interview process, you know, when I realized I wrote down the job description, you know, I think I think it was time for a local to run EdCon for a while. You know, the person needed to be in Joburg. They needed to have... You know, experience of running a large retail portfolio and my chairman, Gareth Penny, said, Grant, you're just describing yourself. And, you know, I, I fought that for a bit, but then I realized, you know, some things happen for a reason. And the, the, I was best positioned, I think, to do it. You know, the, we could have gone out and got a real fashion expert, another Bernie Brooks, but that was inevitably going to, was going to be another expat. And, you know, I think they would obviously do a better job on the fashion side, but they would have to learn the South African side. So I'm doing it the other way around. I'm, I'm, I know the South African side and I'm learning the fashion side. Hmm. How are you finding it? Loving it. Um, you know, it's, I remember back to being appointed as Mass Smart CEO, and I, that was a nerve-wracking experience, you know. I really didn't have a clue of what I was doing, you know. And every job I've had up until now has essentially been a step into something I didn't know how to do. Um, uh, this is the first time I've taken a job, and, uh, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. I mean, and that's a little bit dangerous, because obviously I also know what I don't know, which is the fashion side and the credit side. But for a large portion of this, I sort of feel like I know what I'm doing and I can help. Um, Edcon's, you know, had a hard time. So actually some of the stuff is quite easy to help them with. You know, it's just some basic retail disciplines missing here. And I can get on top of that quickly. Didn't MassMod at one stage seriously consider clothing? Like went into food eventually. Wasn't clothing somewhere on the agenda? I know there's obviously some clothes in, ma- in, in, in macros and mm. I'm not so sure at the moment, but... But I thought at one stage that was on the agenda. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I couldn't speak for them now. Obviously, I, 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 mean, I don't have a lot of contact with that business. It was a consideration back in the day. In fact, I had to choose between um, – you know, I always knew that wholesale food was, was going to slowly come to an end. Metro Cash and Carry had just gone bust, and MassMart was quite heavily exposed to wholesale food. And so I had to choose between entering retail food – Furniture and clothing. Oh yeah, furniture also came up. So it was. I was choosing at the time. If you go back there, I was choosing between those three. Three and the end, we chose food retail and MassMart invested in that. But I don't know where they are on clothing these days. Grant, yeah. Any comments, gentlemen? Uh, It's it's, uh, interesting how you ended up here. I think that must be a bit of a looking in the mirror experience, where you're now looking for a leader of a major brand, and then. Hold on, we're describing me. <laughs> I think that was quite an awakening. Any comments, James? No, from from my side, I'd just like to, to to take you back a bit. You know, moving moving away from the limelight in quotes, as you said it, into into entrepreneurial uh, uh, startups, etc. What are some of the handicaps that you've picked up uh, in, uh, or that you've seen rather, uh, with with startups um, as as a as a CEO of Smart? I mean, going. All the way down there. What what are some of the handicaps that you've picked up that entrepreneurs like ourselves, like myself, and many others that may be listening to the show, uh, that can 
that can use uh, uh, perhaps or avoid mm. uh, well i i was i was absolutely shocked by how hard it is by the way so you know i you know i i've got a big network and and know a lot of people and you know have some experience um i i thought it was going to be a lot easier hey i i i ran up against closed doors the whole time i mean sometimes people i knew very very well and the door was absolutely shut in my face and so um i i in fact i started to think and ask at some point was it because i was reasonably well known was it being shut in my face um, but then my observation was you know when, whenever we face rejection on any level when tends to turn to one's insecurities and starts blaming whatever we're insecure about and so maybe i that was my one but each one's got their own and so now I've, over time i now listen to people by the way as they talk about the experience with the closed door because i would imagine as an entrepreneur that must be 99% of your experiences is is what to do when the door closes and 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 watching people reflect on blaming things that have probably nothing to do with why the door was closed as they now start um, sort of looking for reasons why it gets closed the reality is just everyone's very busy and focused on themselves it's a selfish society it's a selfish world mm. uh, if you don't fit into someone else's plans typically they're going to give you no time mm. yeah i yeah i'm i'm already sensing a different grant and i don't mean different in a huge way um the last interview that was four years ago but but even before that i've interviewed you before so there's a bit of a history and you can see growth and more reflection and you've been through a heck of a lot mm. uh, huge contrasts running a major brand doing the whole deal with walmart which was a, a, a big experience going to entrepreneurial back into big corporate i mean it's a it's a nice story and i'm, I'm it's just a gut feel I, I sense i sense a bit of bit of growth there uh, whatever growth there was you know now before we move on to um kind of leadership challenges here at etcon uh, broader societal challenges because I'm very excited CEOs are speaking up more and more BLSA may be setting the tone in some respects your views on leadership because as Grant grows you may view leadership slightly different so give us a few statements principles that you best describe as we call authentic leadership now you might say great leadership might be other words there that, that, that you fill in for authentic but we're kind of promoting authentic leadership and let's take them one at a time mm. take us on a bit of a training session almost in, in leadership yeah so s some some of the philosophies that i've learned um are, are, some of them were generated by myself you know they they they're mine and um, but most of them are things i've learned from other people um you know I, I, um, certainly some of the principles like you can't you there can only be one you you know there's not a a version of values um, or principles or philosophy that you can apply at work and then you become a different person when you go home and then you become a different person when you're with your family and different person with you and your friends there can only be one you and I mean it comes to it, it supports your authentic version is, is, is you've got to just be yourself now I must tell you that uh, I, I can remember back distinctly to being a 35 year old Grant stepping into the MassMart CEO shoes and being told that and the reality is I had no idea who I was. <laughs> so it's actually not particularly useful advice. So be yourself because of life's a journey about finding out who you are. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, it, you know, it, it, it's not useful in, um, advice to first time. I've said it to people and I can see them just looking at me going, but you know, I don't know who I am. So what does that mean? Um, so that, so that certainly that's, that's one portion of it. So before you move on, I mean, that is a powerful one. Yeah. So what we're saying is you can become 
the leader of a major brand and you're making yourself vulnerable here in my humble opinion and say I I, I know I'm professional and I'm bright you know there's things you know mm. about yourself but you don't really know the you the no, deep not at all. you mm. and, and that's frightening in a way <laughs> but exciting but it does worry me uh, because when you sit there you, you certainly can't pro- project that to the market no, to of course, no. Okay. No, I, I mean he said he made a statement earlier on uh, that says, uh, I'm not sure if we're, we're related live or not, but you never stop learning. Mm. And, and if that's the mentality that you have, then you will have that attitude to say that I, ca- I cannot be sitting here and be saying, no, I know everything about myself. Because the moment you do that, mm. you're really shutting up yourself for opportunities to learn. So what he's saying, from what I'm, what I'm taking from this, is that you need to always be open to learn and to discover yourself. Even about yourself, yeah. Even about yourself, yeah. But it'll, there will be one you. The, this one you, hmm. uh, it, it, you need to be authentic as a leader. Hmm. And you cannot be a leader uh, in the office and a different leader at, at work or at home, wherever. It, it needs to be one you. And you need to constantly be learning and discovering yourself. And I think that's very powerful. That's a really powerful lesson. I know the old man will have a view on this. You're very strong on, on knowing who you are and, and staying true to that. Oh, very much so. Uh, Grant, I must admit, uh, kind of following over the years and after the initial session, I, I sense the, the maturity that's grown in you um, because of your, I think you are humble and you want to learn all the time. I just want to confirm, though, that in all the many conversation we have Grant uh, thought leader after thought leader is emphasizing the point that knowing yourself is the core of good leadership good leadership you can't wear masks anymore mm. and get away with it and you're just reinforcing that in a mm. very very strong strong way but but but, but there's I, I was trying to make another point by the way is you've got to fake it till you make it eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that there, there is a bit of I do realize I, do, I have a sense of self-confidence that I will figure it out. So I am. I think you've got to be prepared to step into the unknown, sure. knowing that you know I'm, I'm smart enough and and nimble enough and you know I can correct fast enough. So I I'm, am prepared to step into something I don't know and sure. fake it for a while, um, knowing that you know I'll get there eventually. So you can't wait until you know yourself so well because then you'll never yeah, step into anything. Because mm. I think when we die one day, we're still learning about ourselves. Mm. So that's a very important How awareness. will one handle death? That's going to be interesting. Oh, you only <laughs> handle it once. But I didn't just mention the second point, though. It's just relevant. Uh, that Call it different things. That faith to tackle obstacles in your way. Mm. This is vital. Mm. Um, and I think you're... Again, the second point is as important as the first one from that point of view. Uh, it's a, a, a positive momentum attitude and mindset mm. and also makes work far more fun that you don't run away from obstacles i remember grant said years ago audion he said some of his most enduring friendships have come from a big fight mm-hmm. <laughs> initially Correct. he didn't use the word fight but what he's saying that you're going to tackle the thing and from that can come a great lot of good good as well Correct, yeah. good memory old man Okay, what else describes authentic leadership? So the other one that I sort of has risen to the, the top these days is, is, a, is a, a variation of, of a saying, which is say what you mean and do what you say. And, 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 the, and the bit there that I emphasize actually most of all, because everyone understands the do what you say. Very few people do it, by the way, but everyone understands that. But, but say what you mean. Uh, you know, I, I went through a journey um, as I transition from a leader of a South African business to being a leader within a global business, Walmart. 
Uh, I mean, this was a transformative experience for me because the first time I found myself sitting around rooms with people of different nationalities, managing businesses all around the world, and it just blew my mind. Hey? It blew my mind that things that I took for granted, that I understand about South Africa, what does respect mean in South Africa, for instance? And you start all sitting around the room talking about respect, and everyone says, yeah, well, obviously we've got to respect each other. And then you start digging into, well, what does respect mean? And you realize we don't have the same definition of respect across different cultures and different countries. Um, and so it started to, to, to rise to the fore that one of the things we've got as South Africans, by the way, because this doesn't exist in the U.S. as far as I can tell, and has a different flavor in Japan, China, um, Brazil, um, is say what you mean. Don't beat around the bush. Um, um, political correctness is dangerous. Um, um, even being diplomatic is dangerous. Uh, it, it, and it's a protection of yourself. You're not protecting the person you're talking to. You're actually protecting yourself when you're being diplomatic. And you're quite often, I found, I was coming out of conversations where the other person didn't hear what I said because I was flowering it up and protecting it and... And so I've actually, you know, I'm probably getting more conservative as I get older. This is a natural progression. Is I now think it's one of the things I know is really valued is everyone knowing that you say what you mean and, that you, and you're not trying to trick them um, and they can trust that. Um, by the way, it gets me into trouble a lot. But <laughs> it never really got me into, not yet anyway, got me into deep trouble. You know, it gets me into short-term trouble where the person's either offended or comes out with a you know, they're going through their own emotions as I tell them the truth. Um, but over time, and, and it goes back to the point you were making, by the way, what I found is over time, these people who are short-term adversaries become long-term friends and relationships because they, they start knowing, well, if, if Grant felt that about me, I know he would have told me. So if I hear it from someone else, I know it to be false. So say what you mean, mean say what, what you, you mean. say. Say what you mean. Say what you mean. Yeah. Say what you mean. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to give you a message. You're, I'm in a performance review with you, and I want to tell you, you're really bad at this. There's, just tell the person. <laughs> you know, mm. do, it, do it properly in, a, in private. Um, do it in such a way that they know that you care and love them and are trying to help them. But once you've got all that clear and you're not embarrassing them, just tell them. Give it to them. It's hell of a hard to do, but just do it. Eh? We live in a society mm. where leaders are so visible and social media are so, so immature mm. and so on and so forth that that it becomes difficult. In fact, I think um, yesterday I tweeted an article that went all over. Even Tuli Maloncella retweeted um, by Helen Zilla about corruption. And you really need to read that. It is mind-blowing. But then, then, then I said to her, what's the solution here on Twitter? And she responded, I'll apply my mind to it. But if I had to read to you, her next reply to me was one of saying, um, I found it very difficult to lead in the, the era of, of Twitter. Because when I say things as it is, as I see mm -hmm. it, then it explodes and I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I think in a, on a broader scale, Grant, it goes to what you're saying is, I can say what you mean uh, um, uh, on the right platform at the right time um, and now we're getting to political again <laughs> we're yeah. getting to, ca to cautious yeah. again so, so I, I would say I would say no no, no I'm, I'm still saying it, it yeah. Twitter TV say what you mean and the, mm. let me tell you the risk with it is often that exposes what you actually mean and it was unintentional mm. so we're not aware of some of the stuff 
that we say and think or day, uh, do all day and it's offensive to people and it, know that it's going to be offensive and then say it, meaning to offend, if that's what you were going to do, or insult, or congratulate, or worship, or celebrate. But don't do it unintentionally. That's the thing. And so afterwards, you, you, you won't be saying things like, I was quoted out of context. And, you know, <laughs> so it puts quite a lot of discipline as actually you spend, need to spend most of your time trying to figure out what you mean. I didn't going to just mention, uh, going, it's a key point, Grant, uh, that, that you can approach from, from the other side and say, what are the implications if you don't say what you mean? And now you start entering a very sophisticated where people sense it, you lose trust, uh, there's a form of deceptiveness in it. Right. And so the qu question really is, if you don't learn to say what you mean, uh, be prepared to pay a very heavy price mm. because you've got to cover yourself all the time. And you possibly you, you uh, lose out on trusting yourself as well. Mm. And people sense that strongly. And, and then you'd need to, you also need to uh, develop a, a skill of learning how to apologize quickly. Um, because, you know, I, if you've intentionally mentioned, uh, um, intended to offend someone, and I'm certainly I'm not from the PC class, sometimes people need to be offended. If you've intentionally done it, fine, then you can stick to your guns. If you've unintentionally uh, done it, you must apologize, you know, and just quickly get it over and done with, mm. you know. And I think if you want, if you want to, if you want to be someone who says, says what they mean, you've also got to be someone who's prepared to apologize and, and, and change your mind if you're wrong. If the person that you, have said that to, to say something that's, um, that uh, changes the way you think, well, then you apologize and you must now say what you actually meant. <laughs> feels like in our society today, gents, um, this conversation itself needs a lot of attention mm. because I don't, I don't think uh, leaders say what they mean. They're just too careful, too cautious, and we end up offending more down the line because in my mind I wanted to say the following to Rogers, but I didn't. Now later on mm. when we clash, then I kind of feel like I said it to him, and we miss each other totally, you know. I don't know, because we're just not saying yay, yay, nay, nay. You know, we're just saying it as it so, is. So I would be saying uh, uh, leaders need to invest a lot of time in clearing up what they mean. You know, think through a topic properly. The topics are complex, eh? Um, uh, and then they've got to learn communication skills because there are ways of doing it. You know, over time you do figure out there are ways of saying things where you can say what you mean and not be offensive, mm. or at least... Uh, uh, mistakenly offensive Alright, before we move on Any other leadership principle that surfaced for you Over the last few years? Um, um, no, I think I, th I think those are the ones that are most Relevant in my mind at the moment um, Particularly given the job I'm doing I, I remember I spend most of my day giving bad news To people What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about that Well, you know The, um, you know, the, the, the Engineer often comes out in me and, and I like to tell the story, by the way. One of the most influential things uh, I've done um, in business was actually completely by mistake because I bought a car. And as part of buying the car, I got sent on an advanced drowning, uh, driving course. And I thought, well, this is going to be fun. I'd really like to take a car around a racetrack, you know, typical macho boy thing. Um, anyway, we spent two hours in lectures on skid control. And, and I, at the, right at the end of it, and again, this is just my typical engineer brain working, I put up my hand and I said, look, when we're driving along and the car goes, starts skidding, we're not going to be able to remember this lecture. Um, you know, fun though it was. What, what do you actually do? And the lecturer looked at me and he said, yeah, no one's ever said that to me before, but here's what my answer would be off the top of my mind. He said, whatever you were doing just before the car started sliding, stop doing that. And so he was saying, if you're pushing the brake too hard and the car skids, 
take your foot off the brake. That's the driving response. You don't turn the wheel. <laughs> uh, if you were turning the wheel to the left too much and the car skids, turn it to the right. You know, i.e., just undo whatever got you into the skid. And I must say, I walked away from that thinking there are so many applications in life about that. Um, and, and why do I mention that as an intro to the story is if you don't know what got you into trouble, you're not getting out. And the human, one of the things that hugely interests me is the human condition. You know, those things that we are all have just programmed into our evolutionary development which are survival instincts, and one of them is denial. <laughs> you know, it's a, a human instinct. Is if anything's gone wrong, first of all, what's the most important thing to us is it can't have been my fault. <laughs> Just let me look for every other reason other than I'm the person who stuffed it up, and even more so, denial that we're even in trouble in the first place. That seems to be part of the human condition, and so getting over that is very hard. And so, my job for the last year it it can either as a non-executive or an executive have just been trying to get people to look at it and say it's not working properly <laughs> okay let's first of all get over that um so you stop stop essentially lying um to ourselves about the performance of the business and then secondly to try and just diagnose what got us into the skid you know if you try and fix the skid <laughs> the fix of the skid um afterwards without figuring out what got you into the skid in the first place you're not going to fix it mm. So this is the discussions I have with people all day, which is mostly bad news. I see what you mean. Hmm. Audrey, I don't think we should move on immediately. That point is very important. I love the uh, grantee simplicity of it. Hmm. It's the old story of simplicity is arrived at when you've gone through the complicated journey because it's a case of being authentic and having a certain amount of confidence in it. But the spotting, helping a person understand what you're doing wrong seems so simple and mm. so very, very important. I think it's a very powerful principle. Uh, are we also saying that, this is the th- thought in my mind, that the moment I find myself denying anything, the, the red light must go on. So, so there are triggers in our lives as human beings. We need to know. The moment I, like the kids, I say to the kids, when, they, when it's 8.30 or 9, uh, hey, you've got to go to bed now. You, you, um, you're tired. And they go, no, I'm not tired. I say, that's the first sign that you're tired. Mm. When you say, I'm not tired, Dad, then you are tired. Okay, so now watch out what you say. Do, do we do that? Um, I, I would I'm, go further, by the mm. way. I, here's, this is, again, this is part of getting to know myself. Um, and, and, again, yeah, I was influenced by an by a, a industrial psychologist once I went into tests with. I was struggling with the fact that I felt I was too emotional as a leader. You know, and, you know, what, what does that do to you? What does it cause in the people around you when they see you emotional? And this, and this uh, rather wise gentleman said to me, Grant, it's not the emotion that's the problem. In fact, unemotional people are very scary, psychopaths. What, is pro- what, what, is your, what your problem is, is impulsiveness. And so he said, when you feel angry, feel angry. Look angry. <laughs> Just don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> just accept the mood that you're in, identify oh, it, and just don't do anything. And what I'm saying is I, I'm starting to believe that almost all our instincts, almost all of them, that first thought that comes to your mind, that's probably one to scratch off. <laughs> you know, maybe the second one, scratch that one off too. Just generally assume that the emotional response is the wrong response. Now, it's obviously not 100% true. Sometimes your emotional response will also be the right response, but you only will know that if you've got through the emotional phase, not to be impulsive, and then waited until things are calm again. I, I, I don't trust almost any of my first instincts. Mm. Or emotions? 
Well, no, you, emotions you feel. You, you can't do anything about those. And I've stopped even trying to do that. I'm just going just with the instinct emotional. and the emotion. So, so well, say, the instinct is what you're doing in the emotion. That's what I'm saying. You know, remember we were we were, we were designed to you know avoid being eaten <laughs> and eat other things. You know, that's that's where because at the same time we're saying from. leaders must trust their instinct and their gut, but not the emotional response. Correct. Don't trust yeah. the emotional response. Got that? I'm always but, wrong. But also, I remember what Grant is also saying is you must trust uh, your confidence in processing that emotion. And don't be emotions are the problem. It's how you process it. Process it, and and then time. Time is everything, you know. Uh, one of the things I've started doing, uh, although this is, this is maybe for the last 10 years, is quite often when you get to the hard decision, and you know you're coming to a hard decision because you're trying to avoid it and you're trying to deny it's there, you know, all those normal uh, responses. You get to a hard decision. I make the decision in my head, and then I sleep on it. And, 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 and lots of people say, let's sleep on it. Yeah. Uh, sleeping on it is not good enough. <laughs> You've got to make the decision. Then you have to sleep on it. Yeah. And I know if I wake up in the morning... And my, f- I wake up with a bad feeling. I know that I've that hypothetical decision I've taken is wrong. If I woke up two or three mornings in a row and I'm, now it starts feeling better and better, then I go, I'm on track now. And that's, I think, what you're saying is trust that you will get to the right place. Mm. Try doing, try avoid all the. Uh, another thing, perhaps I've I've learned about myself is when I make a mistake, typically the first mistake is not the big problem. The real big problem is the mistake I then make after that, trying to fix the mistake. <laughs> and then the one I try to make fixing that one, and then it just gets worse. Eh? And the uh, directional intent, <laughs> because now you're in a direction and you've got to back it up. And that's when up, the problem. Yeah. So, 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 you know, as I say, first instincts, trust deep instinct, not first instincts. Okay. So, so work through that first instinct to the deeper. The first instinct is probably just a, a cue to say, look deeper. Don't just take this for what it is. Go a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think you've got to, each person's different. So everyone's mm. obviously going through that in different ways. Um, I think you've just got to figure out that bit out for yourself. Yeah. But Grant's saying don't be apologetic about your emotions because that's your mm. driver. But be very careful about trusting your reaction to the emotion. Immediately, there's a lot of wisdom in that. really mm. is. Yeah, and maybe even more trusting emotions is they are right in the end. You know, when I've said something to someone that has maybe made them feel bad about themselves, I know. I know I've said it, <laughs> and for a while you'll deny it, and then you'll try and rationalize it. It's just trust, get through it. At the right point, you'll realize you have to go and apologize. Grant, you've been at this level since uh, at least, it's before 35, actually. But, yeah, I was appointed MD of game at 29. Correct, yeah. The first time I took the big seat, yeah. But now let's say the seat above that is group, and it's more media and so on, uh, and, and it's at the top of the group. Uh is the pressure piling on for leaders in this position? Or are we, are we just overreacting? It feels like it is. It feels like there's something pumping out there that leaders are, are, are missing. I, I, I look at a Floyd Chavambu who grabs someone outside of parliament, for example, and I go, hold on, he's active on Twitter. He's super active on social media. Doesn't he realize that the whole world is seeing him? Mm. And I see leaders stepping into that trap all the time mm. as part of the pressure piling up. Do you think, because now it's quite a few years that you've functioned, um, and you were CEO at, at young age, group CEO, is it piling up? Mm. Is the world changing? It, it, the world has changed, and, and it's got to do with cell phones. And, 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 and it has changed. it's changing the human condition. It's, I talk about it in retail, that retail doesn't change. Um, you know, I, I reckon if I had a discussion with a, 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 if I went to Cairo in the year four, 
AD and I had a discussion with a merchant running a big store there, we'd talk about the same things. He would talk about political change and the customers changing and technologies changing and my supply chains moving. It would be the same discussion. What is fundamentally changing is the human condition created by the cell phone. And what you're talking about is that everything can be videoed now and recorded and published like that. Um, and that has permanently changed. And the, 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 the pressure uh, is um, piling on leaders. Tough, tacky. The world has changed. You've got to change. And anyone is in denial about that. I, I, I get actually quite cross when I sit around with people of my generation and above me in leadership positions. And they boast about the fact that they know nothing about Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I think, yeah. you know, you're, you're old before your time. You know, you've, and, and your customer is fundamentally changing. My daughters, our children, these are different people from us. Eh? Um, they know how to live in this world, and we don't. And it's so, not stressful for them. It's just natural. So, so, so perhaps it's it's a self-selected um, um, culling mechanism that for leaders who don't adapt and just accept this new reality, they're going to be culled. Rogers, your comment. I mean, Rogers started his business from scratch. He's in the technology space, um, helping companies. I mean, maybe just tell Grant for a moment. But your comment on that? Do, yeah, do you well. agree? I mean, CEOs, corporate CEOs are scared of social media still. I think it's coming out more and more. But in general, there's, there's, there is this denial of I, I don't need that at all in my life. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. If, if, if a great example of that, uh, we, 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 Kodak is always quoted. Uh, they, they were leaders in their space. Um, uh, and and uh, they, they refused uh, to see uh, the impact of what technology would do. And, and, I mean, they, would, they should have been the leaders when it comes to, to photography and all of that today, but they're not. Um, and, and, and your customers, as Grant said, uh, customers, the profile of customer has changed. It's, it's not about you know, stores now. There's online shopping. Uh, people don't want to go to the stores. Uh, we've got cell phones. Uh, and, and, and the advent of, 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 of cell phone, the penetration of cell phones, they've become so pervasive. Uh, in this room alone, we probably do not have one cell phone, one-to-one uh, from a ratio to cell phone. We've got well, more than that. And well, there's a worse stat. Just ask someone the, how close in centimeters their phone has been with them, yeah, to them in the last year. Try and think about those moments where it wasn't yeah, within it wasn't. your grasp. Absolutely. So it's not the time with you. It's how close it is it to is you. It is with you. You wake up it's in the morning, the first you, thing yeah. you greet is your phone. You sleep at night, the, thing, the last thing you say good night to is your phone. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's that. that. And so as... as, as as businesses, you need to take that into consideration. Internet is becoming cheaper and cheaper, and it's still going to continue to be cheaper. Uh, and if you do not look at that uh, in your strategy as to how you're going to be running your business, you're missing out. You're totally going to be missing out. You're going to become irrelevant. So, so all businesses, in the end, can be traced back to taking advantage of human nature. You know, why do why do skin care why is skin care such a big category why is cosmetics such a big category weight loss exercise we're just we're just humans fighting against our our human condition um and so if the human condition is changing because it's been such a substantial effect then i think you've got to use the technology yourself and you've got to see its impact on yourself so that you can understand your impact on others not just reports so you know i know what a cell phone I know some of what a cell phone's done to me. And the, 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 the thing that's it's most effective me is how impatient I've become. 
I want everything now. I want my news now. now. I want my products now. I want information now. I'm not prepared to wait till the end of the dinner to find out if the word used <laughs> <laughs> meaning was correct or not. I'm going to Google it in dinner. I'm going to right look, now. Right now, I want to learn now. And I'm not. And, and you know, I, I don't know why we're all such luddites and we don't like this stuff. You know, build it into your life. Stop trying to. I uh, here's a life with social media and my phone, and there's a life without it. You know, just make sure that it's a healthy balance. Going back um, to your one. The one you, I guess. The one you, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and, and have children, you know, because <laughs> you learn a lot by watching them, hey. You know, my, my, I noticed after a certain while my children started asking me for advice on anything hmm. because they YouTube it. They just go to the video. They don't ask me how to do anything. Um, they can go and get that advice from someone else. So. That changes behavior between parents and kids. Changes I mean, so everything. everything is changing. The world is changing fast. And as I say, so to, to come all the way back, if, if, if you don't understand Twitter and Instagram and Facebook um, because you don't use it, you definitely are not going to manage the new world. Mm-hmm. If you're not posting f- um, video clips and photos and and learning about what works and what doesn't work and getting into trouble every so often. You're not learning, and then you're not going to be able to manage this world. And you don't. So perhaps it's time to be cold. Sure. Grant, all right, let's look a little bit broader, um, and we can come back to maybe more individualized leadership. The challenges you face in your leadership challenges in your industry currently, and then let's go a little broader to South Africa, leading within the South African environment. Not easy. Um, and one can list a lot of reasons why it's not easy. Uh, just your, what are you dealing with at the moment as a CEO? What's your major challenge for this business within the South African context? Yeah, so I've never, never been faced with really a non-successful business. You know, I, I've always operated in a business where there's been substantial profit, substantial cash, um, and and enough dials and levers for me to see the business going one way or the other and to manage it. Um, uh, and I don't have that at the moment. I, I, you know, it's, 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 and it's quite unnerving. And I, what I realize is, is how spoiled I was being in such a great company. And, and, and they are referred both to MassMart and Walmart. They've both got their challenges and business goes up and down, but they are fundamentally great companies that have been run very, very well. And, and so my leadership challenge now is, is is what don't I know because I was spoilt. <laughs> I was spoilt. Every, everything was in place or over time I helped put it in place. Um, um, and I just, uh, so, so I, I, I come to work each morning not knowing a quarter of what I would usually know when I was running a, a business that has been run successful, successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with that a bit. You know, I'm just wondering if I'm too analytical or too dependent on numbers or too process orientated or too bureaucratic or you know because i'm used to these things i don't have them at the moment mm-hmm. so that's that's what i'm i'm struggling with most at the moment and then there's some parts to the business which i am learning which is by the way fantastic and exciting but you've got to be cautious um while you're in the learning phase you can make lots of mistakes so you know i'm learning the fashion industry i've got on fabric courses and you know i'm going to learn how to sew and cut fabric and I've been to a bunch of bunch of factories and then I'm learning about credit and credit is a very South African thing uh, retail credit as we do it so I'm having to learn a lot that so I put, put a lot of time into actually developing my skills so I can ask the right questions mm. and, and just just remind me I, um, I'm, I'm 
need to be honest here. Yeah, I didn't look at the numbers of Edcon. How's Edcon doing at the moment? It, it's not it's performing tough. well. So, mm. so it's, I know it's tough, but yeah. yeah, tough is it's more than tough. No, so it's a business that's that's in some crisis. Uh, on an operating level, it runs very well. You know, I'm sure you as you walk around here, you see a normal looking company, but it was it was abused by its shareholders. And its leaders and its board, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm saying publicly quoted, saying that already. By the way, it's been abused. Um, a leverage buyout was done in 2006, and um, just as it killed the, the same people, Bain Capital, and the same people who killed Toys R Us in the states, is by putting lots of debt into a re- cyclical retailer. In our cases, a vertically integrated. So that means we're buying thread and. And, and sometimes cotton, raw cotton, um, all the way to we loaning the clothes to you for six months while you pay us. It's got a terrible working capital cycle, and a huge amount of debt was put into it. And that has almost destroyed the business. It's destroyed the business's core competency of, of, of the position it holds in markets. So now it's in, it's in quite a bit of crisis. As I said, it operates fine. The brands are fine. Most customers wouldn't know that, you know, unless they read the newspapers, that it's in difficulty. But we've deleveraged it now. We've got it sort of businesses deleverage themselves over time. But now what we've got to do is invest capital in it, um, get people feeling confident again, reading the market. So it's it, it's a proper turnaround where the first, I've been trying to explain to the board and, and the shareholders, the first stage of a turnaround is not to, to start growing again. It's to stop shrinking. Mm. And so that's the phase we're in. We're in the phase to see if we can stop shrinking. Okay, and within the South African environment, political economic, social, uh, what are your challenges? What are you dealing with as an Etcon business? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, it's funny enough, I'm, I bump up against the same sort of stuff that I did in MassMart. You know, what are the key the key challenges of South Africa? Um, you know, it's us trying to decide about our role in the world. You know, is local manufacturing the right thing or should we open our economy? But in, but what, what's interesting, by the way, and I think all the points I'll list, I think that these are common issues around the world. Again, what I learned in in my Walmart experience, is that South Africans try and convince ourselves that we've got some sort of set of unique problems. But they're not unique. Everyone's got the same set of problems, slightly with different flavors. I don't think it's particularly harder here or... Uh, than it is anywhere else in the world. So one of those is what is our role in the world? Are we going to be an open society or a closed society? And the political forces are lurching one way, left or right. As a businessman, you've got to just figure this out and operate in the environment you're in. And then, of course, the big one in the South African history is the legacy of apartheid and the racial tensions. And that permeates society and our business, and you've got to learn how to manage it. You know, we've, we're all going to... To going to have to, to one experience these ourselves in some form or the other, either whether you're the person messing it up or the person being affected by the mess up. Um, and then, um, but you know, again, just just to draw the parallel, you know, if you go into Europe, you're dealing with it's still a racial issue. It's immigrants versus non-immigrants, but it's still an issue dealing with in the states. South America's got those issues. If you go to Australia, there's issues of Asian immigration. So I, I don't think it's unique, by the way. I think we are just in a world affected by information and society, and leaders just need to figure out to manage the complexity. Um, your feeling about the political changes from a pause are coming in. You've got views on that. Is it helping? Yeah, so I'm clearly getting older because, you know, I, while I'm very um, – I feel much better now with the new leadership. I'm not um, I'm not fooled by uh, – what's it called? Ramophobia or ramophoria. <laughs> you know, um, 
you know, we are just going to go through another 10 years of a different leader, certainly one whom I feel more aligned with than, than the previous leader. Um, and so I, my confidence levels have risen enormously. But I'm not fooled that somehow this is the white knight coming to save us. You know, um, I, you know I, I think you get a honeymoon period, as any leader does, and he'll have his year or so as a honeymoon period, and then things are going to get tough again. And, and the, the, the underlying challenges of South Africa uh, have remained. Uh, inequality, unemployment, poverty, uh, you know, nothing changes. We've got to address those three issues. Um, politically, how we do it, you know, I'm perhaps less attached to these days. Mm. Back to Edcon quickly. How many employees? About 40,000. It's massive, eh? Yeah, it's a big company. The challenge that uh, we find uh, leaders have is always communication. You can go into a high-performing mass mart or a high-performing, I don't know, what are the high-performing companies in the world today? I remember Dimension Data being very high-performing, you know, Mm. 10, 20 years ago. And working with a senior management team who were complaining about the level of communication in the business. Communication is always a challenge for leaders. It can always be better. Hmm. How do you find that inside EdCon, real-time communication with all your employees or all your managers or some of them? Hmm. Is that because you have to move the business, the ship, fast, faster than ever before? And by the time your communication gets to the bottom, you've got another communique going through for, for another change. It's a few months later. Mm. Do you know what I'm – are you finding that as a challenge in, in, in this kind of business? It, it's a huge challenge. You know, retail is, is, is a bit like mining. You know, I started off in the mining industry, mm. and you'll never, as a mine manager, go to all the stops. You know, it's just the travel between the levels. It's, you've got to learn how to manage where you're not going to ever go everywhere. And it's the same in retail. I'm not going to go to every store. And we couldn't rely on me going to every store. Um, <clears throat> so my approach is – so also my experience is when I'm communicating with different groups of people in the group, they're actually interested in different things. And so to try and write one newsletter that everyone's going to find useful and, and interesting is impossible. Absolutely possible. So I think you've got to put the information out there, you know, and you've got the, the modern ways of doing that. And Edcon has all of that, by the way, very good communication systems. I find the most effective way to communicate to the staff is actually through the media. You know, the thing that everyone watches when they go home in the evening is the news or the newspaper or News 24 articles. That's actually the quickest way these days to actually talk to everyone. So um, on this um, authentic leader theme, you know, say the same thing everywhere (laughs) because it's Mm. going to be read by everyone. So sometimes I'm talking to to newspaper reporters actually trying to talk to my staff, um, you know, not worrying about the other people who might – who who watch it. Um, But – Actually, what I'm trying to do mostly in EdCon is the person you have your relationship with is your boss. You know, and everyone's got a boss. I've got a boss. The cashier's got a boss. And so we've got to get everyone realizing that it's their job to communicate to their employees, whoever reports to them, about the things that they need to know. You know, I don't need to, to communicate to the, 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 the Edgar's store staff about the restructuring of the debt. You know, I think it's just probably you'll scare them. <laughs> um, and I, I largely am not sure even though they know it's going on or they care about it, by the way. What do they care about? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, Customers are complaining to me about these things. But I'm not getting the stock. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I have trouble traveling to work and back each day. My store manager is not the greatest. That's what they want to talk about. And that's best being done by the person who actually is working with you each day. And so we've got to just invest in skills and communication skills and give it 
the people information and it's got to flow down eh? mm. um, there's me as I say blasting it out into the media mm. and I get I can get straight to everyone uh, reasonably easy but otherwise it's got to go through the, the various phases eh? of course the challenge going through those sometimes immature reporters but you know, the media is very connected to everyone today very, very well, well, what do you, but you know that the <laughs> I had this great experience the other day <coughs> Well, I really did learn something. Is I got into a bit of a, a battle, battle with one of the media houses uh, over the announcement of a store closure. Yeah, um, and and the, the mistake that was made by the person who wrote the article was an understandable one because it was a subtlety of words. So the classical context thing. Interestingly, so I started communicating via Twitter because these days, if you <coughs> are connected to these things and 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 the uh, the media. Um, uh, publish something that's wrong. You can publish that it's wrong, <laughs> like that, as fast as they do it. You know, mm. Business Day or News Twenty Four or Citizen publish something, and I can immediately just respond to that and go, "No, actually, this is wrong. This is actually." And what's interesting was was um, the balance that that's brought into the relationship with the media. I, I'd, I'd be interested to speak to media execs. It must be quite nerve wracking these days. Yeah. If you publish an article. The, and it's that's wrong. Right, it's yeah. going to come out immediately. And and um, I think one of the editors even tweeted, they haven't even asked us for attraction. Uh, I don't need to. <laughs> mm. You know, no one's going to read about this tomorrow. And they're definitely not going to read the retraction. But they're watching this. They're watching me disagree with you. And so immediately, um, so a lot of balance has been brought to the whole thing. So I'm, I'm you know, mm. let's go for it. Uh, even in an argument, you're having a good communication, huh? Yeah, you just manage it very carefully and not jump to conclusions with your first emotion and all those sort of things. You must not be yeah. impulsive. That's what goes through my brain the whole time, Grant. Don't be impulsive. Don't be impulsive. Well, I mean, if you tweet the first thing that comes to your head, you're going to get into trouble yeah, quickly. <laughs> wow. All right, uh, final questions. We've got just wrapping it up now from you, gents, to, to Grant. Uh, as we ask him maybe at the end, where's Edcon going? And maybe a final message to leaders out there. There's a lot of pressure on leaders, and, and maybe you can just give them some advice. Rogers, uh, yeah. old man. I, I think the time was too short. I still have plenty of questions to ask. <laughs> I, I think from from my side, really, it's 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 uh, my main focus uh, within within the conversation is around uh, uh, SMMEs, is around entrepreneurs, it's around uh, uh, that that aspect of business. And I mean, you're talking about the fact that Edcon employs forty thousand. You're going through a period where you want to stop uh, 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 the the, the the, the downfall for you to be able to go up uh, but yet you know employment still needs to be created you talk about the three problems and SMEs are the ones that are going to like most likely create employment mm. uh, going forward into our economy you know what are your thoughts about it and what it is that you're doing as a, a massive organization that you are to support and help SMEs uh, in that drive yeah so so you know it's quite tricky in the world of economics to know whether uh, for instance, is there, there's this question: Is is business responsible for creating jobs? It, it seems obvious, you know. You're the only people who can create jobs, so you must be responsible for creating jobs. But that's not how it works. No business person ever says, "Oh, I want to create employment." What they want, to, what they do is they say, "I want to create a product and a value and a service, and I need people to help me create that value." Um, so, so on that side, you know. I, I, I'm still struggling with that. I'm still struggling about businesses' role in society about creating jobs, certainly large business. On, on SMMEs, I completely agree with you, by the way. The, 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 the modern world is going to see a minority of people employed formally um, in the big corporates. 
um, and the majority of people are going to be in their own businesses selling their own skills. Um, Edcon, what do we do? We are we are going through a phase. All companies seem to lurch from one to the other. Whereas we're going to be doing less and less for ourselves, and we're going to be asking companies outsourcing to do more and more and more stuff for us. So, you know, the, to the to SMEs uh, who are listening, you know, if you want to get involved in that, um, you know, that's the opportunity with us. We must become a good um, manager of non-core activities. Um, and outsourcing them to to other companies who can do that on our behalf. Brilliant. Grant, sorry, our time is up. Final message, and, and just maybe where's EdCon going? Look, EdCon at its core is in quite good health. Jet, Edgears, and CNA, these are our fundamental brands. If you go to the customers, they love these brands, they like these brands. Um, those, those retail offerings are going to survive forever. Um, what we've got to do, what, what Ed Con's got to do is how to run a profitable business off that great brand value and good and goodwill. And that's going to require us to just service our customers better, whilst at the same time in the background and making good operational strategic decisions. So for, 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 um, for customers, Ed, Edgar's Jet and CNA are going to become more what they expect from them, what they remember from them, what they used to getting from them. That's what we're going to take those brands back to their core values and their core roles in society. Edcon, the company, you know, we're going to decentralize, we're going to turn the momentum, we're going to create confidence, and then maybe even one day create some value for our shareholders. Excellent. Message to leaders? Anything um, on your mind? Yeah, pr- perhaps don't take yourselves or the roles too seriously. Uh, the hierarchical society has collapsed. Um, being a CEO doesn't put you at the top of society. In fact, Arguably, we've 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 dropped down to secondhand car salesman and lawyer status. Um, so don't, don't take yourself too seriously. The, the modern generation coming through doesn't see hierarchy like our grandparents and ourselves saw it. So you know, just just be more be more like more, be more human. You know, be prepared to make mistakes. Apologize quicker. Don't attach yourselves to power, um, and try and integrate yourself into this new society as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, as you say, Roger Sitole. Thank you for joining us, by the way, again, as always. And, uh, and we can talk about so many more issues. Old man Louis Grunewald, thank you for your value you added. And Grant Patterson, four years later, um, a man who keeps growing and learning. And uh, we appreciate your time talking leadership and South Africa and business with us. And we wish you well with EdCon. Uh, it is a, a tough challenge, but it's good to have a South African in there leading it. And maybe ESCOM will come one day. <laughs> hopefully there's something left. Hopefully it won't need it. Yeah, hopefully it won't need it, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. That's our Leadership Masterclass for today. We look forward to being with you again next week, as always. Thank you for joining us. Bye. This is CliffCentral.com.